I woke up this morning with my man. I grew up attending a small black church on the east side of Chicago. The pastor was black. My mama was black. My brothers are black. The mother's boy, black. Deacons, they black too. All the musicians were black. Everybody was black. Except for Jesus. Can I preach it? When storms come, our faith is tested and how we see Christ is revealed. And sometimes Christ will lead his disciples into a storm because there is something about who he is that we need to know. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Love you, Mama. The definition for broken is something that is no longer in one piece. When something is broken, it should not be used until it has been first restored. When a basketball player becomes injured, they are not ready to play the sport again just because they had surgery. They must wait. Wait until all the parts that has been affected by the brokenness to heal. But not only heal, be strengthened. When we use things before they have been restored, we not only prolong its healing, but it actually requires more work. Therefore, we end up working harder and longer to accomplish our goals or tasks. The same can be said about our faith walk. Just because you are a believer doesn't mean there aren't areas in your life that you have yet to allow the power of the gospel to transform. You will never truly appreciate restoration until you first feel the weight of brokenness. When you hear the name, the chocolate theologian, what comes to mind? I'll tell you what comes to my mind when I hear it. Restoration. For me, the name represents my personal restoration to my black church roots. My black church experience hasn't been all good. I've seen some of the craziest things in church. In many ways, I've felt like the black church was Nothing more than a dramatic performance-based, watered-down theology mess with the sprinkle of Jesus. The rich traditions of the black church made me feel like I wasn't safe to be myself there. I hated suits, and I wanted to stomp, but was forced to wade in the water every Sunday. I was born in 1988. I didn't grow up listening to the pioneers of hip-hop. By the time I fell in love with its genre, it was taking over mainstream and the world. But the black church didn't embrace hip-hop music or its culture, even when we called it Christian hip-hop. When the black church rejected hip-hop, I felt like it was rejecting me. 
well, at least a part of me. Pan, satin, baseball cap, and a whole bunch of, you know what I'm saying? And there was no room for this type of person in ministry. My black church experience taught me that black churches care more about tradition than they do about souls. And things got worse as I got older. I joined a small black church that was planted out of the traditional church I grew up in, thinking my black church experience would be restored because, well, the pastor embraced hip-hop culture. There was something very liberating about wearing a do-rag in Bible study. I'm still not sure if that was holy oil or wave grease that was dripping down my face, but I felt alive. Finally, I could be myself. Young, hip, and hood. In high school, I had on my coat stitched sanctified thug. A term I heard used to describe the pastor that I was sitting under. On the back of that coat, it read Jehovah Jireh. I love the fact that I can be hood at this church. So bad that I overlooked all the red flags. After watching others get verbally abused by the pastor, it was my turn. Some money came up missing, and the pastor told the whole church that God told her, I took it. I was broken. I told them I didn't take the money, but my claim to be innocent would mean that this leader, this pastor, had lied on God. I was too afraid to confront this leader, so I just left the church. I didn't make a defense for my innocence. I didn't defend my name. I just left, leaving many to possibly think, man, Mar really stole that money. But I didn't. A few months later, I would come back to this church. A friend of mine told me, man, you know it's all good. Come on, slide back. I did, and I was accepted, and I welcomed. But there was never an apology or acknowledgement for what had happened to me. We just act like it never happened. I didn't realize it at the time, but that experience changed the way I would view trusting pastors and anybody that Use the term God told me. Trust issues, insecurities, shame, all of this was the fruit that I kept balled up inside of me from that situation. I soon began to act out. I started drinking all the time with a friend who was also going through a lot of hardship. I wasn't old enough to buy liquor, but he was. So he made sure my cup had something in it. I soon linked up with the girl I had a crush on in high school. And we had two kids. My black church experience got worse. 
when I gave my life to Christ when I was 20. I married the mother of my children who gave her life to Christ as well. Throughout all of my secular CDs and movies, and the only thing I listened to was Lecrae and Thizzle. Studied the Bible, prayed, attended church faithfully. And after all of those years of ministering and not living a life that was worthy of the Bible that I was calling people to follow, (laughs) here I am preaching, married, and trying my best to live holy and right before God. And I was sat down by my black pastor and was called self-righteous for calling people to repentance. That was the last straw. That was it. I am done with the black church. I'm not done with church. I'm not giving up on my God. You can't take that from me. But man, I'm done with the black church. I was later introduced to Reformed theology and Calvinism. I subscribed hard to these teachings. And the theologian was born. Hello, white Christian church. Goodbye, traumatic black church experience. I am finally being restored. I was later introduced to Reformed theology and Calvinism. I subscribed hard to these teachings. And, well, a theologian was born. Hello, white Christian church. Goodbye, traumatic black church experience. I later joined a multi-ethnic church. The first white preacher I was introduced to was Paul Washer. His shocking youth message knocked me off my socks. Then it was John Piper. MacArthur. I started reading and studying the Reformation. Looked up to guys like Martin Luther, John Calvin, and the tulip. <laughs> well, the tulip was my favorite flower. If I wasn't listening to Christian hip hop, it was Hillsong, Jesus Culture, or Aaron Stone. I started to believe that if I wanted sound doctrine, then I had to go outside of the black church. Many of the preachers I grew up listening to, I had begun to reject as heresy and false prophets. When I used to visit black churches and do poetry, I would sit there and theologically pick apart the whole sermon of the preacher in my heart and blast black preachers and black churches all over my social media accounts. A couple years later, I was introduced to a network of black preachers who preach sound doctrine. The first guy was H.B. Charles. I heard that chocolate man preached the text in a way that was sound in theology and black in presentation. Then there was Eric Mason, the hood OG theologian that can break down the text quicker than 
Ratchet Ralph can break down a wall. I went to visit my grandmother. She told us the rich history of our family. As I glanced around her high part apartment, I saw several books on the shelves about black theology. African study by grandmother was a chocolate theologian. She went back to seminary in her 80s not to gain a position in some church but for her own personal spiritual enlightenment. My relationship with the black church would come full circle as I began to study apologetics. I had a huge heart for evangelism. I had recently ran into a Hebrew Israelite who told me I was whitewashed into believing I was African. He told me that I was actually God's chosen people, the Jews. Then I ran into a Muslim who told me I was following the white man's religion. My eagerness to shame those who fought against the gospel that saved my soul led to more than my defense for the faith. It restored my trust and perspective of the black church. Here's what I found. Christianity can't be the white man's religion because its origin can be found in Africa. The Middle East is home court to the Christian faith, not America. The oldest Christian church that stands today is the Coptic Church. The Coptic Orthodox Church of Alexandria is a pillar in a home of great African minds that shaped Christianity. The Coptic Church is widely claimed to be planted and established by the Apostle Mark himself. In the 3rd century, Christianity started to spread throughout northern Africa. And when persecution came, it started to make its way south as many were fleeing. The school of Alexandria was indoctrinating Africa countries and caused a huge debate about the deity of Christ and the doctrine of the Trinity. You heard me right. Two of the most essential doctrines in the Christian faith was formed by African minds. Theologians like Alexandria, Augustine, Tertullian, Athenaeus were all African. The oldest Christian empire is the Armenian kingdom. The second is the Ethiopian empire. Africa had Christian kings and dynasties. In the 1200s, they built churches in the mountains of stone that can still be visited today. Africa got its first dose of Christianity in between the 1st and 3rd century, then later had a second wave with African Christian kings and dynasty. Then Africa, or Africans, have been practicing Christianity hundreds and hundreds of years before European settlers dropped off its first African slave in Jamestown.
Even the father of the Reformation talks about how the Ethiopian church influenced his enlightenment. His relationship with Michael the deacon. But their relationship obviously was the bridge to Martin's Reformation journey. But wait, it gets better. Not only does Africa play a monumental role in the functioning practice and an origin of Christianity, but Africans also play a role in the biblical narrative that we hold as scripture. Speaking of scripture, the origin of black people can be traced back to one of Noah's sons, Ham. Ham also has sons named Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Does those names bring any type of African bells to you? The Cushites region ran along the Nile River just south of Egypt. This area today is known as Sudan. The term Kush is also interchangeably used in scripture as Ethiopia. Ancient writings and drawings of the Kushites are often identified by their dark skin tone. The black presence in the Bible continues. In the scriptures, we see Joseph being sold into slavery and they take him to Egypt, which is in Africa. Genesis 10, 6-20, we see the genealogy of man. We see the family tree and origin of mankind, starting with Adam, and it triples down to Noah. And it zero ends on Noah, right? Noah has some sons. One of his sons' name is Ham. Ham gives birth to four sons, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. This is all in Genesis 10 as God is reestablishing mankind after the flood. It is said and to believe that from Noah's three sons came the nations, all of the nations of the world. Numbers 12 and 1. We see Moses is reunited with his family after he flees from Egypt, after killing the Egyptian. And his sister and his brother, Miriam and Aaron, don't like his wife. I know what you're probably thinking. I know what you're thinking. Uh-huh. They don't like her because she don't know how to cook. I know. That's what you... Oh, no, no. Maybe, maybe, maybe they went to high school together and she was one of the mean girls. Nope, nope, not, that's not it either. What could it be? Oh, the text provides that answer. She was African. The scripture says that she was a Cushite woman. In fact, we continue to read that when Moses had the people freed the people of Israel, it was the wisdom and guidance of his African father-in-law, Jethro, who gave him some of the greatest 
leadership advice that we see in scripture. Psalm 68 and 31 says, Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. In 1 Kings 3 and 1, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, where he took one of her one of his daughters as his own. Daniel 11 and 43 says, He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver and all the precious things of Egypt. And then it continues over into the New Testament where we see Jesus um, being taken to Africa by Mary and Joseph to flee persecution and to save and preserve his life. That's the beginning of Jesus' life. Well, if you skip to the end of Jesus' life, you know that it was an African man who helped Jesus, who was told and made to help Jesus carry his cross. Simon of Cyrene. If you read in Acts 2 and 9, where we see the coming of the Holy Spirit, and at Pentecost, we have all of these nations represented to witness this supernatural event. There, present in a text, is African groups and ethnic makeup. Acts 8 and 26, we see that the first Gentile convert that is recorded in the Bible is an Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts 13, as Paul is describing the credibility of leaders within the church, he talks about some African leaders who are responsible in church planting and ministering in their region. The results of this enlightenment restored my confidence, not just as a Christian, but as a black man. I didn't have to step outside of the scriptures or church history to find the value of my heritage, culture, and existence. Black people care about sound doctrine and has played a major role in its establishment Black people care about truth. And guess what? This didn't start with black millennials. This has always been. When I call myself the chocolate theologian, I am honoring the historical and present culture of blacks who have been used by God to flex his glory. My grandmother taught me two things that I will never be ashamed of. Being black and being a believer. When broken parts are restored properly, it changes the narrative of our story. Restoration helps you to see things through a holistic perspective. Brokenness, brokenness limits our ability to see things as we should. Brokenness limits our ability to see God at work. Behind the pain, the hurt, and the suffering. Brokenness blinds us to 
the value and contribution and beauty of God's creation. Restoration allows us to experience joy in areas where brokenness once lived. I am currently in a residency program at a black church on the south side of Chicago, sitting under a black pastor with hopes of becoming a pastor one day, myself. We are all in need of restoration, and you can't heal from something you can't identify. So with that being said, let's talk about it.